Hebrews chapter 12. You can turn there. Let me show you a scripture. Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. I'll quickly read through, but I want you to identify something there. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all. Then he said, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. But what I want you to identify is God, the judge of all. In, when you read 2 Timothy chapter 2 or rather 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 Paul calls him the righteous judge some say the righteous judge so God is the judge of all and gloriously he is the righteous judge he doesn't judge according to what men see Bible says men look at the outward appearance he looks at the heart sometimes as human as we, we are, our judgments can be faulty. To judge means to do what? To be able to tell truth from error, to decipher, to say that this is right, this is wrong. And God, Bible calls God the judge of all. The judge of all means that he will judge heaven and earth. He will also judge men and angels and he will judge the righteous and the unrighteous. Are you there? And he is a righteous judge, meaning that he will judge righteously. In fact, Peter says, God who judges righteously. Paul says that he is a righteous judge. Peter says, God who judges righteously. He judges righteously. He does not judge with partiality. He does not judge with prejudice. He does not judge with evil intent. He is love, mind you. So his judgment is always righteous. And it's a fair righteous judge I hope you know righteous that's our God, hallelujah so I'm just laying the foundation to let you know that in talking about the judgment seat of Christ we are dealing with a God who is going to judge righteously but the question is what is the judgment seat of Christ all about? What is it for? Remember last week Sunday, we spoke about the believer's hope. Is that right? When the believer is caught up, both dead and alive, as we have identified in the last two Sunday's messages, when they are caught up, the immediate thing scripture reveals to us, to us is that all of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 4. Let's go there. Let me take it step by step. First Peter 4, 17 through 18. Peter writes and says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Somebody say, Amen. So, the time has come for judgment to begin where? At the house of God. 
Mind you, in Hebrews chapter 6, the last two doctrines have to do with resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So we are dealing with eternal judgment. There have been other judgments of God throughout history. Read the Old Testament accounts. Even in the New Testament, like Ananias and Sapphira, it was the judgment of God. Hallelujah. So God has been, I mean, a judge, righteous judge in executing judgment upon men throughout history. But here we are dealing with eternal judgment. And the eternal judgment begins with the house of God. So, the first people to appear before God's eternal judgment, meaning that after the judgment, whatever God says remains forever. Are you there? After the eternal judgment, whatever God says that you are or you have or you will be, it is forever. So we should take cognizance of something that is eternal. This is not temporal. Something that will, will live with you for the rest of your existence in God's universe, in God's world. So we have identified that judgment will begin where? At the house of God. But it will continue elsewhere, which we will talk about next week by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Romans 14, verses 10 through 12. All right. Apostle Paul also writes something here. He says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Say, I shall give account of myself to God. And I want you to take note of the word account. Because towards the end of my message, you will find out how that accountability is done. Hallelujah. But suffice it to say, in the meantime, that each of us, someone say, each of us. Mind you, in the verse, in the verse 10, when he said, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he is not talking about all of humanity. We have discovered in 1 Peter chapter for that judgment shall begin where first at the house of God. So here he is not dealing with all of humanity. They are God groups human beings into three different classes. Or we can even make make it a fourth class. I'll tell you the four classes of human personalities that will be judged as far as eternal judgment is concerned. Number 1 is the church. Someone say the church. The church is a peculiar group of people made up of both Jews and Gentiles. It's not the Jewish nation, neither is it the Gentile. This is a group of people who have been separated from the world, who are in Christ, who are called the new creation. Bible calls us a holy nation. That means a separate nation, a peculiar people. Hallelujah. Royal priesthood. Kings and priests. That's royal priesthood. So the first group of people we identify who will go through the eternal judgment of God is the church. The second group of people who identify from next week is the nation Israel. 
and you will discover how God judges Israel right from the time he called Abraham and made a nation out of the nation I mean made a nation out of Abraham he has never dealt with Israel directly anytime he wants to deal with Israel he uses the Gentile nations to deal with Israel because that is they are his people it is like a father who wants to punish his child and out of compassion sometimes he finds it very difficult so he hands him over to a schoolmaster deal with this my son for me hallelujah are you getting the picture so you will identify next week that when God wants to deal with Israel he always uses the Gentile nations but when he wants to deal with the Gentiles he deals with them directly because they are not his people who, Israel was cut off so that we will come in hallelujah the third group of people who identify from next week that God will judge is the Gentile nations why the Gentile nations we will discover from next week's message that there are some Gentile nations that will support Israel and the Bible calls them the sheep nations and there are some Gentile nations that will be against Israel the Bible calls them the goat nations so God will separate the goat nations from the sheep nations hallelujah that's a different throne it's called God's throne of glory we will identify that next week it's not a judgment seat of Christ it's, it's a throne of glory then the fourth group of people that God will judge is the dead who did not die in Christ but are dead and are languishing in hell suffering in hell at the end of all at the end of the millennium the Bible says that hell will give up the dead in them and everybody whose name was not found in the book of life will appear before the white throne judgment for judgment hallelujah so you see how God does it first he's dealing with the church and this is where we have come to so mind you what I'm telling you today is I mean it refers to you and me and so put yourself in the picture and get the message clearly hallelujah all right can we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 also 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 Apostle Paul writes here and says for we must someone say we must it's a must we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad that's a very serious statement now we are getting some details here when we we have identified that it's only believers whether dead or alive who appear before the judgment seat of christ and bible says it's a must and when we appear before the judgment seat of christ we're going to give account of the things we did while in this body some say while in this body whether it is good or bad that is why it's important that when somebody gives his or her heart to Christ immediately the person is helped to grow First Peter 2 Peter 2.2 says that as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby until a child of God grows he will behave like the one in the world and all those behaviors can go against him one day at the judgment. It's, God is not referring to us before we give our hearts to Christ. That one, because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So he's not making reference to the old you. The new you after you give your heart to Christ. Right from the time you give your heart to Christ till you exit this earth, whether dead or alive, you're going to give account of all that you did whilst in this body. Hallelujah. Okay. 
let me just tell you what I wrote down here. Every act that is not performed in faith and obedience for the glory of God is unacceptable to God and therefore bad. He says, we're going to give account, every one of us, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to give account of ourselves whether it was good or bad. And I'm saying here that every act that is not performed in faith, in other words, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. So anything you do that is not in faith, it's not acceptable before God. Anything you do that is not in obedience to God's instruction, it's not acceptable. Anything that you do that is not for the glory of God. Sometimes we do things that are for our own glory. Men may hail you. Men may celebrate you. Men may say, oh, you are doing well. And yet in the sight of God, God knows your heart. He is the righteous judge. He sees differently. He says that, ah, this man, everybody celebrating him. His books are everywhere. His records are everywhere. Everybody is just applauding him. But hey, you will discover very soon how God judges. And you will discover that although men may applaud such an individual and say that it is good, God may say it is bad. Hallelujah. Because he did not do it for the glory of God, but he did it for his self-aggrandizement, his selfish gain, his personal ill motive, his wrong motive. Hallelujah. Okay, so I said here that it is upon this simple basis that as Christians, each one of us must expect to be judged. Because after we have given our hearts to Christ, it's not everything that we, we do or did that is good. Some are good, some are bad. We will even identify very soon what constitutes good and what constitutes bad. Turn with me to Revelation 14, verse 13. Let me show you something. John the Apostle writes here and says that, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Some said their works follow them. What is this scripture revealing? Can I tell you? Look up here, please. What this scripture is revealing is that entry into heaven to appear before the judgment seat of Christ is not going to be based on your works. It's going to be based on your relationship with Jesus. In other words, you have believed the gospel. You have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have confessed his lordship over your life. You are born again. You are a child of God. That is what makes you, let me use the word, rapturable. That is, that is what will make you hear the second trumpet sound. Or the first trumpet sound if you are dead in Christ. That is what will make you be caught up to meet the Lord we identified in the air. Okay? Then we shall be with him. There are some things that will be going on on the earth during that period. We can talk about some of them from next week as a foundation. And then, as the years go by, we can be building on that foundation. Okay? Alright. So what I'm saying is that you cannot appear before God because you did good works. That is what gave you entry. It is when you gain entry through relationship with Jesus at salvation, that is when your works will follow you. Whether it was good works or bad works. And we identify the, 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 the constitution of such 
works, whether good or bad, we will identify very soon. Hallelujah. So never you think that, oh, because this man is doing good works, that is what will qualify him to gain entry to heaven and to appear before the judgment of Christ. Our works will be rewarded. But your works will not be rewarded at the judgment of Christ if you don't have salvation in the first place. In that case, it means that your works will be nothing before God. Because the Bible says our righteousness are, are like what? Filthy rags in the sight of God. So what I wanted to see in Revelation 14, 13 is that it is salvation first and then your works follow. Not your works first and then salvation second. Some people believe that their good works will gain them salvation and then, okay, their good works will make them appear before God and then that will constitute their salvation. Never. I told you before that there was this popular fetish priest in this nation, Ghana, who was being interviewed on TV3 by a hostess. And then the lady asked this fetish priest that, will you go to heaven when you die? The fetish priest said, why not? Ah, but can't you see all that I've been doing? I have built schools. I have given scholarship to children. I have fed a lot of orphans. I'm helping everybody all around. So why will such a person die and not go to heaven? I look at him and say, ah, this man doesn't know the gospel. The gospel is not the gospel of works. It's the gospel of believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then, after you have believed and you are born again, whatever works you do will follow you. Not your works saving you. But salvation first, and then your works will follow. Hallelujah. Can we tell everybody all over the world, those who believe that their good works will grant them salvation, that they are wrong? They have made a mistake. There are so many people who have not believed the gospel. They believe in good works. They are doing good. Some even condemn the church and say that, see, we are not like those who go to the church. They are hypocrites. They are fornicators. They are this. They are that. But we, we are helping the poor. We are feeding. We are building. It's alright to do good. But good works doesn't save anybody. It is salvation first. And then your works will follow. I pray that God will use us as a house to explain the gospel to this generation. Now, good works is good, but it is secondary to salvation. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Okay, can we go back to 2 Corinthians 5? Let me show you something, verses 1 through 3. 2 Corinthians 5, again. Karabashandoros. Verses 1 through 3. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we know, remember last week Sunday, I quoted the scripture and I asked a question. I wanted to go back because I want to reveal something to you. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, the King James says dissolved, we have a building from God, a house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Someone say, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. What is scripture saying here? He's talking about after we have put on our glorified body, after we have put on our immortal body, after we, whether dead or alive, the dead shall be resurrected with a new body. And at the second trumpet sound, the Bible says we shall be changed and together we shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Then Paul is saying that we have a building from God. That's what we desire. Endlessly desiring to be clothed upon. Okay? 
But we desire that if this is done, let me quote it again. 2 Corinthians 5, 3 says, If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. What is this nakedness about? Which kind of nakedness is Paul referring to here? Hallelujah. All right. Scripture answers scripture. So I would want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as we answer this question. What is this nakedness? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. Are you there? 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. Paul writes and says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid. And which is that foundation? Is what? Which is Jesus Christ. Oh, I love it when we identify that Jesus Christ is the foundation. Don't build church on any man's name. Are you there? Those of us who in future will be planting churches as apostles. Don't go and build a church and say that this is my church. You don't own any church. I don't own any church. Jesus is the owner of the church. He said, I will build my church. He didn't say, we will build our church. We are but stewards, caretakers, whatever our role is in church, but not owners. Because he is the foundation. Hallelujah. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Someone say by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Let me read verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Say amen. This is so deep. God is giving us a picture here that hey, you are going into heaven, fine, by salvation. And your works follow you. So your works are like a covering. You know, in those days when they conquer the enemy, they take booties, they take, you know, the spoil. They call it the spoil. They carry everything along, you know, as a train of procession that this is what I've brought along after conquering. So, we are going to conquer or we are conquering as we do the work of God, as we go about our day-to-day activities, as we reveal Christ through us. All those works are like a covering, okay, around us. Your salvation makes you complete and intact. But when we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ and our works will be tried, if your work is of gold, of silver, and of precious stones, you will not suffer loss because the fire will refine those works. But if it's of wood, of hay, I hope you know hay. We say don't make hay, uh, make hay while the sun shines. I hope you know hay. Or straw, the King James says table, you know straw. Straw if you put fire to straw, what happens to it? It burns to ashes. It's like chaff 
the Bible calls the unbeliever chaff in Psalm 1. It says they are like chaff which the wind drives away. So if your works are of gold or were of gold, silver and precious stones, you don't suffer loss. You are not naked. But if all the works that you carried were wood, hay, and straw, certainly the fire, and I'm going to show you the fire very soon. The fire will burn everything to ashes. So you will discover that although all your works on earth were celebrated by men, men hailed you, men, men applauded you, men said you are doing well, when everything is burnt, you will stand naked. You have nothing to your credit. Isn't it serious? It's a serious matter. To me and to you. That we can use this to assess ourselves and help ourselves because we can pretend before men, but certainly we cannot pretend before the righteous judge, the one who judges righteously, the judge of all. We cannot. He sees. He sees so deeply. You have no idea. Even before you talk on your tongue, he knows what is on your tongue. Hallelujah. Alright. Can I read some things that I wrote down here? I said, your reward Remember, we just saw that if your works were of gold, silver, or precious stones, it would be rewarded. Is that right? And I've written down here, I said, your reward will determine your crown. Take note. Your reward will determine what? And your crown will determine your place with Christ. In the world to come. This is a very deep statement. Thank God this is a foundation. So on this foundation, we'll be building hereafter. Okay? As years go by, we'll be building on this foundation. So suffice it to say that your reward will determine your crown. And your crown will determine your place with Christ in the world to come. Don't take that for granted because it's a very deep statement here but I don't have the space to elaborate on it. So just keep that in your spirit. As we build on this foundation one day you understand that hey, there is nothing as big as having a place with Christ in the world to come. You remember he told the apostles that you are those who have tarried with me. I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father has appointed you that you will sit on thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Such that even their names are written on the doorposts of the 12 gates of heaven. You have no idea. Isaiah prophesied and said that this one that we cherish will not be remembered nor come to mind by reason of the one to come. So when I say that your, your, your works will determine your reward and then your reward will determine your crown and your crown will determine your place with Christ in the world to come. It's a big statement. But time and space are not available for me to stress on. So keep it in your nose. We'll build on this foundation in the future. Somebody say amen. Okay. And I also said here that there is a foundation God has laid. We have identified it. Is that right? A pattern. A foundation is a pattern after which all things must be built. That's a foundation. That's why I said that you can't build a rectangular foundation as a pattern and then build a triangular house are you fitting into the pattern if you build a rectangular foundation then it means that the building must correspond with the substructure the superstructure must agree with the substructure is that not true 
All right. So there's a foundation God has laid, a pattern after which all things must be built, which is Jesus Christ. Somebody say, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. Look at it. Anything you did while in this body, which didn't reveal Jesus Christ through you, is of wood, hay, or straw. Did you hear that? Anything that we are doing after we have given our hearts to Christ whilst in this body, what you do if it was for self-glorification but it didn't reveal Christ through you, men may applaud you, but God says this is wood, this is hay, this is straw. It shall burn or it shall be burnt into ashes by the fire. That's how you'll be found naked. And mind you, this is the whole assembly from Adam to the last saint, all of us. So it's a big graduation ceremony, I'm telling you. Bigger than any graduation ceremony you've ever attended. Sometimes you go to a graduation ceremony, you have first class, we have second upper, we have second lower. If you had third class or pass, and you are with those who first class and you are in the same lecture hall, you know how it feels. You feel embarrassed. Ah, but we are in the same lecture hall. This one has first class. And it's even given the opportunity to bring a speech to the whole nation. And then here you are, the same letter hall. Probably you are even getting better scores all of a sudden. What happened? You got third class. So that alone should give you a picture of how this award ceremony is going to be. It's a big one. Please don't take it for granted. Don't say, okay, so long as I am there, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Don't just arrive in heaven because it's dangerous. It means that you are going to escape as it were, by the skin of your teeth. It means that you are just going to have a narrow escape. If you live your life to chance and say, as for me, all I want is just to go to heaven, chances are that you may even lose that heaven. Because we don't live for ourselves, we live for the one who died for us. If you want to live for yourself and say that all I want is to go to heaven, before you realize Satan has drifted your heart like a man called Demas. Demas started with Paul the Apostle. In fact, somewhere along the line, Paul even mentioned his name and said that he sends his greetings to you. But somewhere along the line, Paul told Timothy that, come over because Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Somebody who started as an apostle now forsook the great apostle Paul because he had loved this present world. It can happen when you put your Christian life to default. I hope you know that. As it can happen to you when you put your Christian life to default, you are either proactive in the things of God or you are zero. Lukewarmness, he says, God says he doesn't want it. If you are lukewarm, what will he do to you? He will spit you out of his mouth. So, whether you are hot or cold will determine whether you will run the race to the finish or you will, you will be sidelined somewhere along the line. Are you there? What we are talking about here is a serious business because it has to do with eternal judgment. And you cannot add to it nor subtract from it once it is done. Once you exit this earth. So we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, we got a better opportunity for the benefit of hindsight to make amends. He said, make hay while the sun shines. Let me tell you what I wrote down here. Anything you did while in this body which revealed Jesus Christ through you is of gold silver or precious stones it will stand the test of fire and hence will be rewarded hallelujah anything you did 
reveal Jesus. That portrayed Jesus. I like that song that says, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. He said, oh, thou spirit divine, oh, my nature refined till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. That should be the motive of the child of God. Whatever I'm doing, whether at home, whether in the office, whether in the street, it should reveal Jesus. Because that is what would stand the test of time, the test of the fire, rather. Not the test of time. Now, time is no more. When we appear before the judgment seat, there's no more time. We have crossed over into eternity, and then there's a test of fire. Somebody will ask, which fire is that? Is God going to set a fire somewhere that will be burning like... Um, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? There was this fire that was even increased seven times because they refused to bow. Look, the fire we are talking about here is greater than the fire of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to show you something. Which kind of fire the Bible is talking about? All right. Turn with me to Revelations 1 again, verses 12 through 14. I'll show you something. Revelations 1. Revelation chapter 1 verses 12 through 14. This is John, the apostle, being given the revelation by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And look at what he said in verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man. Somebody say son of man. Take note of some two names I'm going to show you. One like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and gathered about the chest with a golden band. Look at verse 14. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. Somebody will say, okay, okay, it doesn't matter when I see him, I can look into his eyes. Ask all those who have had an encounter by revelation or by vision with Jesus. It's even difficult for you to even lift up your head and look into his face. If he's in his glorified state like this. Because his, his eyes are like unto a flame of fire. Once that eyes look at you, it penetrates you and exposes everything that is hidden in your heart. Where can we, where can we hide from God? And what can we hide from God? He knows the intents and the thoughts of our hearts. Hallelujah. Okay, another one to tell you that it is true. Revelation 2, verse 18. Revelation 2, 18. This is one of the letters to the seven churches. This is Thyatira. In verse 18, it says, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These things says the Son of God. So it's the Son of God. So have you seen the names that were given to Jesus? He is the Son of Man, and he's also the Son of God. How did he become a son of man? How did he become a son of God? Maybe that could be another subject. Another day. But first one we saw was son of man. Here he's called what? He said, these things says the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. Hallelujah. Some say eyes like the flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. When God is judging us as believers, as the church, as his called out people, the church is ecclesia. Ecclesia means the called out ones. He will deal with us with his eyes. But when he's dealing with the Gentile nations, 
he would deal with them with his feet which are like fine brass in other words he would trample them underfoot but for us it's his eyes hallelujah oh what a wonderful savior let me tell you what i wrote down here his eyes like a flame of fire typify the penetrating and consuming insight with which he will assess our works maybe you didn't get it let me say that again his eyes like a flame of fire typify in other words it's it's it portrays the penetrating and consuming insight with which he will assess our works in other words look there is nothing that will be hidden before him once and look at what we saw in the book of is it romans or second Corinthians 5 one of them he said we must all stand before him each one of us will give account can you imagine the, it will take a period of about seven years according to scripture as we go on you will you will discover not in heaven heaven we don't count time but to the people of the world it's a period of about seven years are you there but for us over there there's no time and yet because we are numerous from adam to the last saint all of us will stand before him one after the other one after the other one after the other they call you john ashabo can you imagine how it can be panicking sometimes bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living god then you stand before him and then all he does is to look through you with his penetrating eyes his eyes which are like unto a flame of fire and once he looks through you all of a sudden your works are are projected on the screen everything that you ever did every thought you ever had in heaven our our thoughts are louder than our ways every imagination everything is just portrayed so as he looks through you you will see that ah this one is just burning 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 what's happening here what's happening here let it not be said that everything will be burnt to ashes so that it will be like you were just saved by fire the only thing that remained was you purified by fire but everything was burnt to ashes because whatever you and i did i'm putting myself there also was wood hay or straw but as he looks through you and then all of a sudden everything that we ever did in this body is projected on the screen and the thing is getting refined wow then it means it's of gold or silver or of precious stones if we are clapping let's do that to the lord jesus christ i said something here in the in the burning rays of his eyes you can also say in the blazing rays of his eyes you can also say in the fiery rays of his eyes as each one stands before his judgment seat all that is useless base one say something is useless the base is something that you can trample under food all that was insincere all that was of wrong motive all that was valueless all that didn't reveal jesus christ in our works will be instantly and eternally consumed hallelujah let me say that again I say in the blazing rays of his eyes as each one stands before his judgment seat all that is useless all or, or was useless all that was insincere all that was of wrong motive and valueless 
all that didn't reveal Jesus Christ in our works will be instantly and eternally consumed. We are dealing with eternal judgment here. In other words, once God says that whatever you did didn't amount to anything, it was just for your name. It was not for the name of Jesus. Therefore, it's burnt to ashes. You are just saved by fire because he went through you with his eyes like, on, like a flame of fire. So you are saved as saved by fire. But everything was gone. That's nakedness. That is when everybody who hailed you on earth, who also have arrived in heaven, will say that, oh, that is why man's judgment is limited. He said, judge nothing before the time. We're hailing you. We're celebrating you. Look at the ways. This one is doing well. God says that I see differently. Man, look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. He knows the intents and the thoughts of our heart. Say, God help me. Only that which is of true and enduring value will survive. And therefore will be purified and refined by fire. Only that which is of true and enduring, that is lasting value. And certainly that's gold, silver or precious stones. That will survive. And that which survives will be purified and refined by fire. I hope I've told you what the fire is. His eyes like a flame of fire. I want to ask a question based on what we have just learned so far. What should we do then knowing of this truth? What should we do then? For you cannot add. The reason why I'm asking this question is that you cannot add to nor subtract from whatever your works were once you exit this earth. This is the opportunity we have. You cannot add to it. Once you exit this earth, it is done. It is appointed, and just as it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment, whether dead or alive, once you exit this earth, it is sealed. You cannot add to, nor subtract from your works. This is the time. Tell you about this is the time. We can make amends. Hallelujah. You may not have been a good starter, but you can be a good finisher. This is the time. So what should we do? That's my question. Alright. Let me answer my question by giving you a scripture. First Corinthians 11 verse 31. First Corinthians 11 31. Paul writes and says, For if we will judge ourselves, we will not be judged. Verse 32 says, But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So what should we do? God wants you, judge yourself. Me, judge myself. From time to time, we must judge ourselves. And I'm going to show you a scripture very soon because you will discover that the very material, the very document that will judge us or that will be used as a standard to judge us is available. It is called the scriptures. Some say the scriptures. Mind you, he is called the living word. So, though we have the written word here, ultimately, when we appear before the judgment seat, we realize that this written word is a person with his eyes like a flame of fire. Hebrews 4, you see there. Oh my God. I hope you remember I told you that take note of the word that we must give account of ourselves, alright? You will see it made reference in Hebrews chapter 4. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Paul writes here and says that, For the word of God is living. Come on. It's not dead. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God. Once you stand before the word, the living word, Jesus himself, as he looks through you, every thought and intent of your heart is revealed. In fact, some of the thoughts in our hearts, when it's portrayed on the screen, you say, ay, 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 this one. Ay, help me, help me. And yet it's too late because he knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. No creature. Nobody's going to say this one, I can hide it. You'll lie. He will see it because his eyes are like a flame of fire. He will see everything through you in total. I'm telling you. We can deceive men, but we cannot deceive this most high God. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. Look at it. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. All things. Here he gives the word a personality. He calls him him. It's not it. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him. The eyes of him. Everything is naked. He just looks through you. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So, if we're going to give account to the living word and we have the written word, then you can use the written word to assess yourself. So that when you judge yourself, at the judgment, you, it should not be for condemnation that one year, year, one year, year. You didn't do it well but it will be for commendation, for reward and give you a crown and that crown will make you have what? A place with him in the world to come. As I conclude my message, let me give you an example of the man who has been telling us these things. Majority of the teachings came from Apostle Paul. Let me tell you how he longed for this day in 2 Timothy chapter 4. La 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 Santos what I said to you I'm saying to myself because the word of God is a double edged sword okay it cuts here and it cuts there 2 Timothy 4 from verse 8 okay let me take it from verse 6 Paul writes and says for I am ready being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand Look, the man had done wonderful things. He had gone through beatings, stones. When his time had not come, you know what? Let me tell you something. When your time had not, has not come, even Jesus did the same thing. When your time has not come, you must use wisdom to avoid unnecessary assault and suffering. What am I saying? For instance, our Lord Jesus Christ, when his time had not come, Whenever they wanted to lay hands on him, before he realized, Bible said he slipped through their hands and he was gone because he knew that his time had not come. Don't say that, okay? Because we persecuted, you just know that you have not finished your work and then you expose yourself to unnecessary persecution. It's wrong. Apostle Paul also did the same thing. When his time had not come, there were times where he had to be put in a basket. The man was a stout person, short person, put in a basket and put through a hole in a wall so he would escape. But when his time came, he said, "I'm ready." 
oh my god when your time comes you are ready to face any bullet but when your time has not come use wisdom don't say all die be die no not all die be die hallelujah say for i am ready this time he said i'm ready previously you will escape for i am ready being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand verse 7 i have fought the good fight oh what a testimony i have finished the race can we also say the same thing i'm asking i want to say the same thing i have fought a good fight i have finished the race i have kept the faith there are those who remain in the faith and there are those who depart from the faith tell you never keep the faith verse 8 finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not to me only but also to all who have loved his appearing did you see why last week we talked about the believers hope you must love his appearing you must begin to say maranatha even so come lord jesus your motive your inclination your appetite your desire your works whatever we do must point towards longing to see this savior for he is coming back hallelujah i say he's coming back if your works are not towards that goal but you want to now build an empire for yourself and settle here chances are that you may build it no doubt about it but when we appear before the judgment seat of christ you will discover that it was wood it was hay and it was straw and when he looks through your works everything will burn to ashes though you are safe i will not waste my time tell yourself i will not waste my time i'll not waste my efforts i'll not waste my energy i'll not waste my 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 strength on works that will not be rewarded can we make that decision